Jackson, joined by Tyler Tucci for another episode of Folico Live. Today, we are going to get into another round of earnings forecasts. This week is going to be absolutely wild with a whole bunch of companies coming out and reporting their earnings for Q2, so March through June. Uh, so we've got a lot of great, exciting results for you, some really good calls. We are going to be calling out a whole bunch of companies that are releasing returns Monday and Tuesday. And then tomorrow, we're going to come in and do another episode where we're going to be talking about all the companies releasing their or reporting their returns on Wednesday and Thursday. Now, out of this, we've got a strong mix of different companies across a few different sectors. So this is going to be informative to show us how, give us a flavor for how the rest of the quarter is going to be going uh, and give us a flavor for the market overall. I think we are approaching a point where we might be able to say, let's go long a lot more than we have been recently, you know. For the past few weeks, we've been saying a lot of short calls, but perhaps we're at a point where we can actually start throwing some money and buying shares instead of just shorting. But first, before all that, I want to get into a little bit of how did we do last week? Last week, we made a number of calls, especially in the uh, banking sector. And so we've got some results that we can come in and take a look at. Tyler, how are we looking for our predictions last week? Uh, you know, I, I give us a, a solid B to a B plus. I, you know, I think we did a good job, uh, identifying that JP Morgan had some more problems than, than the market had priced. Um, you know, calling for a decent miss there and getting it, uh, you know, on a company that doesn't miss is, is, you know, somewhat notable. Same thing with Morgan Stanley. Um, you know, in hindsight, it looks like we should have tempered our bearishness, you know, quicker. We had talked about this being, a, a entire sector-wide cathartic puke out event. And really what happened was the JP Morgan results hit and it, you know, catalyzed a, at least what looks like, uh, you know, a short-term bottom in the entire sector. Um, you know, Goldman charging higher, I think about 300 bucks here, you know, pre-market after some decent earnings. Bank of America kind of flat even after missing, you know, which, which we had. So we're definitely watching this closely. You know, if, if you're going to hold us to last week's forecasts, we're, like T minus 15 days from trying to buy the banks. Um, but as Travis pointed out, you know, that, that might be a bit earlier. Uh, you know, we're going to give it some thought, you know, I, I think this week and, and, you know, talk about it uh, either next week or the week following. You know, Tyler, a whole bunch of bad news just keeps coming in with CPI high, the Fed coming in. They were teasing one and now they're down to 0.75 and everything like that. Um, and I think that th- this is the kind of moment where, yeah, a bottom might look like something we're, we're going to be calling out here pretty soon. So I'm excited for that moment. I think that the, the trading makes a lot more sense in my mind as a data scientist to like say, okay, I'm buying into this. Maybe as a trader, it doesn't matter too much, but uh, I'm excited for the moment where we can call a bottom and start really just diving in. Well, that's the trick, right? Is it, it depends what kind of trader you are. You know, I've, I've learned painfully at first and then, you know, I've used this to my advantage later, but in a in a bear market, in a market where stuff is dropping, it drops faster in a bear market than it rises in a bull market. So you do have more opportunity for, you know, outsized returns as volatility is higher. Obviously, the degree of difficulty increases. But I do think that is something that's that's interesting, you know, like a, an interesting cognitive bias is there's actually more opportunity in a bear market than a bull market. But people are just so comfortable, you know, close your eyes, buy and hold, and it'll eventually work out that, you know, the brain's almost been retrained to take the the lower payout bet because it's, you know, uh, less painful. So I do think that's interesting, um, which is one of the reasons why we've still looked, you know, for opportunity on the short side, even though 
Um, you know, our early shorts from May have kind of reached their targets. Our semiconductors, we were calling for 30% down, you know, pretty much got it. You know, pressing the hole here, no, not really, especially, you know, going into earnings. Um, so we are looking at stuff like, you know, healthcare, which is, you know, one of the reasons why we focused on UNH last week is we thought it was a short both outright and on earnings. Um, we were half right, you know, if, if you had closed the, the trade before earnings, you know, you would, you would realize some nice profit. Let's get into that in just just a second. I, I want to go through some discrete real results from, from last week, and then I really do want to deep dive into UNH because I think it informs us as to what the strategy is going to be this week going forward, right? And I think this is important because these models are powerful, but you need to use them the right way. So Pepsi, uh, PepsiCo, we called the direction uh, right. We said they were going to beat on earnings. They did. Same with Conagra. Uh, we had good calls uh, with FAST, PGR, Morgan Stanley, BlackRock, DAL, and JPM, right? Okay, good stuff there. All those calls, directionally, we had them really in the bag, correct. But we had a few misses last week. Uh, BlackRock, uh, we actually had a miss on UNH. All right, so we had a miss on UNH despite the fact that this was one of our most profitable trades of the week. So how do we have a miss on the model and yet at the same time make a whole bunch of cash? How does that work, Tyler? I mean, on a from a pure trading standpoint, when you when you step back, you're no longer investing, right? It's 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 purely for a trade. You're looking at you know risk reward opportunity. So even though we were wrong on the the direction of of the reaction to earnings, you know, we still had in terms of a positive excursion versus negative excursion, it still worked. You know, the trade still worked, you know, very well in terms of of risk reward. And what I mean is. The trade opened, uh, I mean, UNH rather opened the week at 425, sold off all the way down to 395. So that's, that's $30 of negative excursion, positive excursion for us, but that, that's a up to $30 of positive P&L move that you could have captured. Uh, and then we closed the week at like 530, which is, you know, plus five for the week. So if we had a, you know, a maximum drawdown of five versus a maximum, you know, uh, move towards PL of 30 or, you know, six to one, I'm comfortable with that. You know, that's, that's, you know, the, the difference between, you know, the, a, a freshman trader and a senior trader is risk management, right? It's, it's, they're trading the same tickers. It's just, you know, how, how are you able to manage risk? How are you able to manipulate risk reward in your favor where, you know, if you're right half of the time, you're up money. You know, you're, because it's two to one or it's three to one or, or things like that. So yes, um, you know, bad call on earnings, you know, we'll still take some, some credit on the trade. You know, that was a, that was a nice move. Um, the, at the money puts, you know, moved, moves quite well. Um, you do get to keep the money if you're right for the wrong reasons, you know, and we are. And, and this is something that we're going to think about, you know, as it pertains to especially J and J, which we are also, uh, you know, is another big component of the XLB ETF. And, you know, surprise, surprise, we're, we're shorted again on earnings. Should we go ahead and jump right into that then? Absolutely. So here's what we, we've got going on for this week. Um, you know, the, the banks have largely reported. Uh, we, we go one and one there this morning. Uh, but, you know, Bank of America is not really selling off, so we don't feel great about you know, a, a bear call there. It's just kind of more of a meh. Um, but we do have some interesting stuff for Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, 
And one of them is, surprise, surprise, we're looking to attack another uh, big component of the XLV ETF here. Um, you know, we, we have a miss on earnings, and we also have my other favorite. And this is my, I, you know, I, I keep saying this, this is my favorite thing that I do in Folico is, you know, we're, we're testing a bunch of other stuff, um, you know, in terms of systematic trading. But I personally think that, that it is a great earnings better. You know, if, if you just purely systematically bet earnings power versus price, uh, you know, looking for reversion into, into earnings, you know, at, at least in a, in a quarter and a half that we've been monitoring it live and not back testing, you know, pretty interesting. Um, so this is another one here. Um, pretty decent alligator jaws. The, the earnings power is still negative in J and J, not really doing anything. Um, you know, you, you just kind of think about what went on the last two years. I imagine, you know, the, the, the best times are behind, you know, I, I hope at least, um, you know, for them in terms of pricing power and demand and all these things. So, you know, the, the recent run from 165 to 180, you know, looks pretty unfounded to us. Um, you know, we, we definitely like looking at that, uh, on the short side, both into earnings as a single stock and it's just another, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, piece in our bear case against, against XLV. Um, just as kind of a reminder, we, we kind of look at those, those defensive as the third leg to complete a, a sell off in a bear market. Um, you, you kind of need to kick out the stability. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking for. It's happened recently in energy. Um, but we're kind of looking for it to happen in, in healthcare as, as well here. And that would really complete the picture for every sector having been pretty, pretty well hit in this market, clearing the way for the market to actually start to really come back up, right? That's that's kind of the thesis that that keeps, you know, falling out of our conversations, our work with the with the data. Um that's really what it what it, it, it it's pointing to, right? I mean, you know, initially we did that FANG study that pointed to kind of September and October. Um, you know, it, it looks like we're we're you know on on schedule within within reason. Um we're going to do some some work on ARC and, and figure out if there's some, uh, you know, some single names that we think are going to outperform the ETF in there. So, you know, stay tuned later this week. Um, but, yes, that would definitely uh, be the final piece of the puzzle in my mind if, if we can get the the stuff that has performed well to to, to take a, a bit of a bath here. Um, and, you know, so this this earnings will be potentially and we hope. And we think helpful in that, you know, uh, bringing that to fruition. Now, what's tough about these earnings seasons, though, for me, is that you're still, I mean, everyone is going to take the news today, July, August, maybe even beginning of September a little bit on the earnings for March to June. And so we're going to keep hearing all this bad news and all the weirdness from the market that we saw from March to June. And a lot of the retail investors are going to interpret this as events that are happening now, whereas the quarter that companies are currently enjoying, it could be wildly different from what they were seeing in March to June. So as you read these earnings reports, don't fall into the trap of thinking that what you're reading is happening now. This is three-month delayed data, right? So as all this is happening, we're looking at this and saying the worse it is, probably it's not going to get worse from there. It's going to be improving from there. And as we start seeing a lot of these indicators like earnings power healing in the face of earnings being bad, 
that switch in dynamic is going to be really powerful. And this is this is how we were able to come out with some positive indicators for PepsiCo. If you think about it, our call last week on PepsiCo was insane. In in an era where inflation's getting bad, uh, rising costs, uh, supply chain still as difficult as ever, right? We're saying that a consumer products company is going to be doing uh, above expectations on profitability. And the reason we're seeing that is because we in Folico get the latest indicators. All the latest news and data is compiling on an hourly basis for us. And that means we're not going to get caught into this news cycle that's reflecting something three, four, six months ago. We're going to be in the current moment, which is also, again, why I'm going to say I, I want to make a call out to say we were missing something on the UNH earnings. Right. But at the same time, we were catching that market sentiment as it was happening. And that drove that price lower, led to a market opportunity for us and allowed us to capitalize at the mean at the same time that our theory, our overall explanation, the human layer on top of that was was wrong. Right. So. I, I think a lot of this is coming in to show why you need a tool to understand what this mass psychology is thinking at, at, at the moment, right? Um, and, and that's why I think this starts getting so powerful. J&J, though, Tyler, um, we, we miscalled earnings on a health company last week. Should people be coming in and trust? Why, why should we and everyone else be trusting this one, uh, whereas last week we had a miss? That's right. That's the question is – and that's usually, you know, from a market standpoint, when I'm looking at models, you don't want to want to touch it too much. You know what I mean? If it should be one model and and that should be it. But at the same time, when you're working with something that learns, you know, that, that might be something different. So do you want to talk about the difference between, you know, overfitting and overreacting as opposed to learning? Sure. Yep. Uh, so I, I, I love I love the way you you phrase the question. Overfitting is a real problem. When you take a model and you beat it up too much and you say, you must learn this right answer. You must learn this edge case. No, no outliers. I don't ever want to be wrong. This is when you get a model that you measure its accuracy and you're going to get like 90%, 95, maybe even a hundred percent. Right. And I love new data scientists. Fresh data scientists will always come to me and say, I've got this model and it's 99% accurate. We need to ship this. This is amazing. That's, that's the biggest red flag. No, 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 no. Send that model back. We don't want it at all. You have to be wrong sometimes because you there's no such thing as a model that captures all of the universe right now, right? We just don't have the technology. We don't have the data sets. Um, it's just not possible right now. So you need to be wrong sometimes because you clearly don't have all the answers, okay? However, when you start to notice pockets where you're wrong consistently or when you're wrong, it's a great opportunity for you to go in and analyze why you were wrong. Now, one nice thing that we have is we have the ability to break apart our models. All of our models built in Folico are built with what's called um, transparent AI or explainable AI, where we can come in, figure out the component parts. And usually these are models are so complex that you can't actually understand what's happening inside of them. We've built an engine to be able to uh, resolve that complexity, right? And so now... What happened with JPM or not JPM, sorry, JEF a couple of weeks ago, we went in and we said, why are we wrong on this? And we realized there was a gap. So we, we resolved that gap. Uh, and what, what it was is we were missing a lot of those technical indicators that was built into other Wall Street models. So things like um, inflation is really charging hard. Here's how much uh, here, here's what's happening in the credit market right now. Here's what's happening with commodity prices and stuff like that. We are capturing a lot of 
those health score indicators and basing our model strongly on that, but we were missing some of those technical indicators that were so important, right? Uh, we brought that in and that's what helped last week's models to be much stronger and why we have much stronger conviction going into also this week's models, right? However, last week we saw some surprises with Citigroup, Citigroup yeah. and UNH, right? Well, Citigroup just blew everyone out of the water. Like, so Citigroup is an outlier that we don't want to retrain the models for. That's right. an example where I don't know that I would have wanted to be right, because if you were right on that, that means you're capturing something that is not necessarily available in the open public. Eventually, the, we'll get there, but that's not something I'm going to retrain the models over. And it was an outsized move versus the print, right? Like that wouldn't, if you had just in, in isolation given me expectations, the earnings, and asked me to get the, guess the size move, I would have been like, yeah, you know, pretty good. Two, two and a half, maybe three, six. No, no, I, I wouldn't have had six. Um, so that's the other thing, right? Is, uh, getting, getting the, the actual print correct is only, I'd argue, 35% of the battle. The rest of the battle is figuring out where positioning was into the print because that's how you get surprise. Surprise isn't necessarily the print versus the expectation. It's the print versus where people are positioned. So I think that's also, you know, that's something we very much keep in mind as we're looking to make these calls is, um, you know, can we, can we add any or rule any out based on, based on that alone? Um, which yep. I think is important. Well, I think it all, you're always asking the question, Tyler, and I like this of like, yes, we're seeing a move, but has that move been priced in by the market yet? And that's why the alligator jaws in Folico are so important. Do you want to show the alligator jaws on J and J, uh, real quick while we discuss this? Yes. Um, so here we have Folico. Again, uh, this is available. We've, we've got subscribers coming in, realizing this value for themselves. But here we have the gray line is the price. Orange line is the earnings power that we're pulling in from a whole bunch of uh, sources from around the world to form a view on how a company's doing and its ability to earn profits, right? Coming into earnings season, of course, that's going to be very important. But as we see sudden moves in that orange line that are not then duplicated in the gray line, suddenly we're seeing that there's an opportunity, here, yes. right? An opportunity that the market is not realizing. But what if, Tyler, you saw sympathetic moves between the orange line and the gray line? So Would you I'll, then say that that's being caught by the market? Yes. So I'll show you, you know, Tyler's most hated ASML. Um, <laughs> and, and this isn't why we're, you know, this is why we're not forcing it, you know, further here, right? We got the move from 520 to 430, you know, mission accomplished. Because the market has, uh, you know, has a pretty good idea, uh, we think, of, of what earnings looks like. So we don't expect earnings to be great just based on that one factor. But, like, you know, it's, it's not something that we think would be surprising. Something that we do think might be surprising, though, and this is interesting because I like when our earnings model and Fogo disagree. Um, because I mean, I have, I have a theory, um, on why I think Folico captures more where, uh, it's got a, it's got a feature of positioning in it. And I'll show you what I mean. I mean, look right here. My goodness. You could not see stronger. This is, this is, yeah. I mean, this is, if, if I was writing a textbook on, you know, my favorite ways to use Folico to generate trades, this, right? Like, you know, we really think the market's missing, you know, not just something, everything here. Um, mm. 
you know, and this is Allied Financial. They report they report on Wednesday. Uh, excuse me, they report Tuesday. Um, I, I I definitely watch that one. We don't we don't kind of hold that one up as a trade of the week because the model doesn't necessarily. Agree. Well, remember though, Tyler, th- that model does not incorporate price movements. So that model is just coming out with a view on EPS. It's not necessarily coming out with whether or not the market is missing an opportunity through its price. And so that comes through this analysis. So, you know, maybe that's something we should take another look at and add into the portfolio, especially if we see things continue in this way through tomorrow. But we have a question. Uh, we have a question from Eduardo Pereira. Let's put that up on the screen. Would you consider DPZ's jaws stronger than J&J's? Ha, ha. That's coming later this week. Yes, I would. Yes, I absolutely would. Um, yes, we will, we will be back to you later this week. I'm, I'm glad someone's been, uh, been copying off my test. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's one of the ones we're going to talk about. Um, on the, on the second half of this earnings, we're going to do, uh, Thursday and Friday. Um, I think that'll drop tomorrow. Um, but yes, that, that is absolutely one I'm looking at. Um, you know, that, that one is kind of like AutoZone where, you know, there's a lot of air to be left out of that tires. And by the way, that is some really average pizza. Um, you know, that's, that's been, that's been quite a performance for some really average pizza. So, you know, yes, absolutely. That is something I would be definitely watching on the short side into earnings. We're definitely going to talk about that a little more because fine, just to give a little spoiler here, check this out. Hello. So this is, this is another one. This is Domino's. We'll, we'll, we'll go back into this. Um, but yes, to answer your question, you know, yes, I think that is a, a higher quality setup than J and J. And remember what's coming into this. What's coming into this is news or events directly affecting the company itself. So DPZ, you would have events affecting that. But you would what's also baked into this score is events and news affecting its competitors, other companies in its space, the market overall, but also what's not being said about it. So last earnings cycle or one year ago, this today, so comparable dates, what was being said about DPZ at that point that's not being said now? And so uh, if events like that, that's what could be really hurting J&J right now, for example, where J&J had a lot of steam a year ago, a lot of people talking about it, saying great things and stuff like that. And now it's just kind of a ghost town. When you look at the news volume and velocity for J&J, no one's really excited about it. No one's talking about it. And uh, that's the kind of thing that can depress an earnings score. And what's interesting, Tyler, is when we see events like that, I know last earnings cycle, we actually got the directionality on EPS wrong and yet made the trade right. Because what we are really seeing is the effects of the company's guidance for the following quarter. What company was that where we really saw that happen? That was- It was, it was MU, because yes. the, the print came kind of in line, but uh, we had basically forecasted like super EPS that was like an average. We actually accurately forecasted EPS guidance for the next quarter. That's right. That we're, we're like within pennies of yeah. the next quarter guidance, right? I think we're like which, one seven. ended up being the reprice. Right. Which is how you, yes, how you got that trade from, from 57 to 50. Um, so I do think that's interesting because it's not, you know, when, when we're forecasting EPS, we're, we're forecasting it more as a, 
you know, it's, it's, it's picking up guidance. It's picking up. So it's, it's more like I, I use the term super EPS, but like, you know, a combination of EPS for this quarter adjusted for future guidance is kind of what we've seen. So that's, you know, something that, that we're working on to, you know, cause that if you're able to, to forecast guidance, that would obviously be, you know, an additional benefit to all of us. All right. So Tyler, we need to start wrapping up here soon, but I want to end with discrete callouts. Okay. Okay. So we, we've talked a little bit deeper about a lot of our trades, some of our methodology for models and stuff like that, but let's give the actual calls right now. So, so we can be very, very upfront and clear about this. J and J is an, an opportunity that we're going to take on the short side, right? Yes. I will be looking at, I really like to play these with, with at the money puts as like a synthetic short because on a percent basis, you know, this may only drop, you know, if it dropped 4%, for example, I think we did a great job. It's just not as volatile as, you know, Tesla earnings, square earnings, you know, the, the fun stuff to trade. Um, so I like using the at the money puts as a synthetic short. I'm going to check for pricing here so we can, we can market against something. And Ally, we have some mixed signals on there. Our model is coming in and saying a miss on earnings, and yet that health signal is actually showing an appreciation in the stock price. Yes, massively, may I add. Okay. So Ally may even be a call to, to are you are you ready to make that call, Tyler? Should we just hang our name on it and, and, and go mean, forward? We have to. I mean, given given the size of, of that divergence, like, you know, if – we believe what we're doing here works, right? So, you know, you have to go with that one. That's, that's one just of the to, ones. Just so everyone knows the way we work this out a little bit, I have my own portfolio. Tyler has his own portfolio. And then we have something that we, the, we work on jointly as part of like fully code live, right? So for me, and then this is why sometimes we'll say like, for me, I'm going to do this for Tyler. He's going to do this, but for us, we're going to do this, right? I'm certainly going to be going long on ally. Right. And, and that's, and we're going to enter this for record. And that's, yeah, that's, I think, an appropriate way to think about it. I'm working on some stuff in one portfolio. Travis is working on some stuff in another portfolio. And then we have this for record keeping portfolio because we want to be, you know, transparent with what we're doing here. You know, if we're wrong for 90 days straight, we want to show you that so you can start fading us, right? Um, you know, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, there's nothing worse than someone who's right 50% of the time. I either want you to be right 100% of the time so I can go with. Or just don't be right ever and we can fade. But, um, yeah, we, that's, you know, we want to put these trades in front of you just so we can mark them and discuss, okay, this is what that trade, you know, could have been worth or was worth or, you know, uh, whatever the case may be. And then NVS. That's the last one to talk through. So we have J&J, Ally, NVS. What about them? Let's see. I just, I, I did make a notation there. But that was a nice, a nice, uh, a nice bullish, uh, nope, excuse me, a nice bearish divergence. Hello. I mean, not great. Not great either. Um, we'll end, let's see. And NVS has got, uh, jaws on the upside, right? Yeah. They've got earnings power of 0.45 on the positive. Price so that might be an interesting last month. All right. So we'll add that one as a long trade. I would probably, 
I'd probably just buy the stock. I don't know. I see news like like Barron's coming out June 28th. Novartis will cut up to 8,000 jobs under CEO's shakeup plan. That doesn't seem like a company that's coming in and reporting some awesome earnings. Yeah, but, you know, like we said before, is that the expectation? That certainly appears to be the case. And yeah, I mean, so at the end of the day, what we're calling, I, I don't, I don't give a, a, a I, I don't care at all about whether or not they're going to hit our EPS targets. I care whether or not the market moves with the way we're going to think, right? So mm-hmm. what are we going to do here? So the stocks, the stocks 8464 here. We're going to, we're going to say buy the stock. Um, let's see. They report earnings Tuesday. We'll just take the stock performance from the open today and the open on Wednesday as, as an earnings trade. This is also something that we're working on in terms, <coughs> me, in terms of where to exit. Um, because we do think we have the biggest edge over the discrete event. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best way to trade it. Um, if you look back at Jeffries, we got an inline print and the stock was up, uh, you know, as much as 4% later in the day. We took a loss here. We took the open price, but that necessarily, you know, that didn't necessarily have to be the case. That's just because I'm a bad trader, right? You know, had I held it, um, you know, we, we would have realized some gains. So that is something that we're thinking about is the curiosity of our earnings calls because I think that's important. Um, and as I continue to develop, you know, theories and, and, you know, protocols for trading, I will certainly share them here. So there you have it. Three trades that we're going to be making. We are not financial advisors. Always invest responsibly. Um, so J&J, Ally, NVS for Tuesday. We're going to be back tomorrow morning. We're going to be talking through a whole bunch of tickers across the board. Wednesday, Thursday is, is an especially exciting trading day for earnings Uh, So join us here tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time at 4 Folico Live. Thank you, everyone. By the way, a big announcement. We now have a seven-day free trial available to everybody for Folico. So you can go in today, try the product out risk-free, see how it works for you and your portfolio this week over such uh, an incredible earnings week. This is going to be really something you don't want to miss. So come in, www.cinerai.com. Don't wait. Uh, Sign up for that free trial today and start energizing your portfolio. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. This has been Tyler Tucci and Travis Nixon for Folico Live. We'll see you.